Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And when I was growing up, I would get in trouble for saying the really bad D word. Um, you know, the really bad four letter word, you know, it's just to say damn. And it was always a joke like, oh, look at that beaver damn or something. You know, as kids, you just think that you think it's so silly. But uh, when I was growing up, I thought damn was the really bad D word. Now as an adult, I have a different D word that comes to mind that is a complete and utter nightmare, which is divorce. And Deborah Doak is here to talk to us about divorce and how to prepare for that divorce process. If you've decided you're going to get a divorce uh, and you've been in a toxic relationship, how do you take back that personal power to go into the process as magnificently as possible. Hello, Deborah. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm awesome. I've got the crud. We talked about that before recording started. So I apologize everybody in advance about my scratchy voice, but I'm so excited to be here um, on your toxic uh, person proof podcast because uh, being you can become toxic person proof throughout and after your divorce process, really, even if you've been in the midst of it. And that's exactly what we're talking about today is taking that power back. Even if you've been in a power imbalance in your relationship, you can start to take that back throughout the divorce process so that when you're on the recovery side of it, you're feeling so much stronger. Let's talk before we get into how to take it back. Let's do a really quick what are the reasons why it's so important? Because I, I can hear our listeners saying something mm. like, well, you know, I just need to get a divorce and then it'll be over. Um, or I'm going to decide to leave and it's going to be over. So can mm. you talk about why it's so important to take back your power first? Well, several reasons. Number one, many of us simply weren't given the tools growing up, right, to really be assertive, clear, direct communicators, to set super healthy boundaries in relationships, understanding that that's a foundation of a good relationship. Often we have children with these people. We're going to be connected with them for the rest of our lives. And so when you put all that together, number one, you're going to need to be able to co-parent going forward. So you need to be able to take some of that power back and equalize it um, so that that can be a manageable process going forward. But number two, if you had some of those skill deficits in your relationship that kind of allowed you to be in a one-down position, getting that power back, learning those skills, um, you need that or you're going to repeat your mistakes in the next relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And your kids may see you as disempowered or your, yes. your employers may see you as disempowered, right? We, we can't skip that step. You can't skip that step. And have you ever met somebody who is talking about their divorce and you say to them, well, when did you get divorced? And they say, oh, it was 10 years ago. That person is holding on to still that victimization from the divorce process So the other reason it's really important to start to take that power back during your divorce so that you are the one in charge of your divorce. You are the one making your own decisions. You are the one in charge of everything happening is so that when you come out with that final marital settlement agreement 
it might not be what you want. Nobody gets what they want in divorce, right? Can you can you say that again for the ladies in the back? <laughs> Nobody gets what they want in divorce. Rarely do you put your offer on the table and the other party says, sounds good. But as you go through the process of negotiation, if as options are laid out to you, you are making decisions where you have all the information and you're being strategic about which decision you're making, you will come away from the process, not as a victim, but as a person who fully participated. And you won't be talking about your divorce 10 years from now. You'll be living your life. And I've talked to so many lawyers, right? And so that's why I, I wanted to point out that piece because, you know, even the last 10 seconds that you were just speaking could save you thousands upon thousands of dollars in legal fees, right? Yes. Because uh, divorce is not the time to get back at your ex as hard as that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think we need a new word in the family court system because you know, we call it the justice system, mm-hmm. but uh, it never feels just in, in in those types of scenarios. Right. So you started off today talking about the D word and in divorce, we have the F word and that's fair because nobody agrees on what is fair. What you think is fair, what I think is fair are not the same. So we call that the F word. <laughs> which uh, is certainly uh, <laughs> more complicated with the you know, toxic person, right? And yes, and absolutely. Is to destroy you, right? That's is, what's fair to them. That's what's fair, right? And that's, you know, when, when we talk about a high conflict divorce versus a regular divorce, every divorce has conflict. You're not going to agree. Fair people are, are going to disagree. There's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of back and forth. But in a true high conflict divorce with a true cluster B toxic person, their intent is not to just get the best deal, but still eventually get to a settlement. Their intent is to harm you, right? So it's a difference in intention. A normal person might be selfish. They might be trying to angle for the best deal. They may be trying to get another dollar here or another quarter there, but a truly toxic person doesn't care about any of that. All they care about is seeing you go down. Which is so hard. And also not a reason to stay married to this person. Let me start there. (laughs) In case any of (laughs) our listeners, it's like, okay, well, I'll just stay married to them. It's like, ah, you know, their goal Mm -hmm. could destroy you regardless of marriage status. So, you know, this isn't to scare anyone out of going through of a divorce. No. And those folks really are rare, right? We hear the word narcissist thrown around a lot these days. And everybody gets a little narcissistic when it comes to divorce. Um, One of the reasons I really love to work with clients at the very beginning of the process is because a lot of the behavior that we see or that we would label high conflict behavior is really fear-based because I'm afraid I won't have enough money. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid about custody. I'm afraid about all these things. And so the more information we can have up front, the more questions we can get answered, the more strategic we can be about planning for the process and understanding what's going to happen, the less fear we have, the less conflict escalates. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. even even with a really unhealthy person. Most people aren't full-blown cluster Bs. They're just acting out of fear. Well, and 
there's a reason you're getting a divorce. It's probably not because, you know, things were going so well, right? I mean, that it's just. That's why I say, of of course, there's conflict in divorce. If the two of you agreed on everything and could hold hands and sing Kumbaya together, you probably wouldn't be in this process, but you you can get through it. And there are ways to deescalate and there are ways to stay sane throughout it. Um, so let's describe deescalate because uh, you. I want to go back to you talked about a power imbalance. Yes. Right? Okay. That's, that's the main event on this podcast, right? So there's a power and having to take back your power, mm-hmm. power over them, right? Where you turn into the toxic person, but take stand within your own power. Yes. Um, so that there's, uh, you know, your kids see you as a more playing, even playing field society. respect you, you know, that type of thing. So let's talk about how to get into that version of yourself. Okay. So for instance, let's talk about a, a negotiation. I'll talk about a really common scenario. Mom has been a stay at home parent or been the primary caregiver. And one of her great fears is um, giving up time with kids. So they're sitting at the mediation table or talking with attorneys and she suggests a parenting plan that she feels comfortable with, which is uh, dad has dinner with the kids on Wednesday nights and he sees them every other weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's what she throws out. And he comes back with no way I'm going to have 50, 50 custody. You have an option at that point about how you respond. You can come with the claws out and start um, jading. Are you familiar with that acronym? Jade, justify, argue, defend, and explain. Right. And come with, you never even changed a diaper. You were never home. You don't know what these kids want. Da, 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 da. What position is that going to put him in? What's going to happen? He's going to dig his heels in. There's no way he's going to move off that position. Good de-escalation strategy sounds like this. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so glad you're interested in spending more time with the kids. That makes me feel really happy. Let's talk about what that looks like with your work schedule and your travel schedule. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's taking back your personal power doesn't mean bringing your claws out. It means being strategic and mm-hmm. lots of de-escalation is being strategic. Lots of de-escalation has to do with asking curious questions rather than firing back. And knowing what problem you're looking to solve, right? Is it to, because there's a difference in, I need to maintain my sense of identity as a stay-at-home mother versus Mm -hmm. I need, you know, like legitimately, he's never at work. He's always at work and he's just never going to see the kids, right? Those are two different problems to solve. And if you're not Mm -hmm. clear. Exactly. Yeah. So what you're bringing up is this whole idea of interest versus position. Position is I want what I want. And interest is why am I asking for what I'm asking for? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's really important when you're getting into these conversations to de-escalate to not just hear the person's position, but ask those curious questions to see if you can get to the interest to the underlying why, because there may be a solution there. That allows both of you to get your needs met, something that's more creative. Right? I agree completely. And that's, that is the name of the game, right? There, there, 
Yeah. I, I think people go into it thinking, oh, the judge is going to see what a jerk he is. And I'm telling you, I, I want to say as clearly as I can, mm-hmm. even if they are a jerk, the chances of the judge saying he's the, you have been married to the worst person I've ever met. You, right. He needs to see your kids again. I, you know, I, I have a client who has a uh, full custody of her kids and her husband was in jail for several years for stalking her. I mean, that's truly the level. Mm-hmm. And he was multiple times with stalking right. charges. Yeah. That's how she got hundred percent custody. You know, it wasn't right. So extreme. And I, you know, I hear the heartbreak of yeah. some of our listeners and I, I want to be really conscientious of that. And mm-hmm. I want to help you with these creative solutions to help you actually get what you want rather than maybe some unrealistic expectations of how the legal system should handle things. And I think everyone in the entire world can agree with you mm-hmm. that the family justice system has some real issues, right? Like yeah. 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 That's true. And then what are we going to, then how are we going to maneuver around that? Maneuver around that. Right. And, and then there's this whole, this whole fine balance, right? Because if you're going to continue to be the primary caregiver, then you're going to be relying financially on him to support you with spousal support. So let's then go down the road and let's talk through the idea that you are continuing now to put your health and well-being and financial security in the hands of a person who doesn't care about you and doesn't have your best interests at heart and is a promise breaker. Mm-hmm. So now you've said, if he doesn't pay me the $3,000 a month, I can't pay my bills. And here is a person who historically has not kept their word. You're putting yourself in a precarious position. So you've also got to balance that, right? Which is, yes, I still want to be a full-time caregiver to my kids. I don't want to go back to work. But by making that choice, you're also putting yourself completely in his hands mm-hmm. after and you're divorced. Your kids are going to know that, right? Um, and your kids are going to know that because who's the person in power, the person paying the bills. I, I'm not saying that's right. right. I'm not saying that's no, okay. But, but he is still in power. He still yeah. has control over you. And so as, as part of the dismantling, right, of this and taking your power back, part of that is making a choice to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. to rely on yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is beautiful. I, I know that some people hear that and it sounds so scary. No, oh. not nearly as scary as the other choice. It's not nearly as scary. It feels it can feel scary, right? But what I want your listeners to do is look around, look at all the women that have done it. You've done it. I did it in my fifties. We've done it. People, many, many women have done it and, and they are just as capable, if not more than me. I'm not special, but I did it right. And they can too. They have something that is special and unique about them. That is a skill the world is craving. So what is it and how can we start small, but starting to wean off because you're continuing to allow him to have power when you go in and fight to still be the primary caregiver and live on support. Deborah, this has been a great info. And I know you have a lot more info to share. (laughs) Will you tell people where they can find out more about you and your work? 
Absolutely. They can find me on my website, which is just easy. It's my name, Deborah Doak, D-E-B-R-A-D-O-A-K.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Deborah Doak Coach or um, Facebook, Deborah Doak Coach. And uh, yeah, I just thank you so much for having me on. It's such an important audience that you speak to, really learning to become toxic person proof. I love that. It's like getting inoculated, getting your vaccine. Yeah, it's a, you know, I was like, you know, bulletproof, except with toxic people. And people are like, right. Ooh, cool. You know, and, and that's what it, that's what it feels like. And, you know, early on, it can feel like, okay, I'll be toxic person proof if I shut everyone out in the whole world, which is no mm-hmm. good. Or if I, you know, there, if toxic people stopped existing and I, I wish I could make that happen for people or, you know, mm. his statistically 60% of our problems, people will say they're people problems when you right. survey people problems, 60% are difficult people problems or misunderstandings or communications, depending on the situation. Um, but it, uh, it is important work. And I love your language around strategy that that's such yeah. a big part of what I believe. And, tapping into those creative solutions and getting out of the shoulds, what should be different and what people should be doing because they don't, they don't do it. They don't do it. And, and why would you put your welfare in their hands when you know that they have a consistent track record of not doing the right thing? Absolutely. Deborah. thank you so much for joining us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Thanks, Sarah. Have you ever heard anything on the Toxic Person Proof podcast or read anything in my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, and thought, oh my gosh, I just wish I had known this 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or I wish my daughter knew this. Well, if so, a way that you can help other women and other people on their journey to becoming toxic person proof and save them from the pain that you endured, the confusion you endured, is leaving a review. You don't have to use your real name. You can just go to reviews, hit those stars, hit a message, uh, go to Amazon, write, go to Goodreads, write a review about toxic person proof, wherever you find yourself in the world and it is so helpful to other women to know this is information they can trust not just more information about narcissism but but tips tricks tools to help them move forward to build an amazing life after a toxic relationship thank you so much for those of you who've already written a review it's paying it forward helping the next woman uh, as she sorts through information like okay this is what I need this is what I need so thank you so much for those of you who have left a review and if you haven't this is your chance so give me some stars and help other women on their journey to becoming toxic person proof Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.